TMG award-winning podcast on October 5th, 2020 in three, two. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of TMG podcast. Uh, I am Tony Barnhart uh, with from the Media Guides, and we are set up for... Uh, We've already had one weekend in October, which I can, can hardly believe, but let's make sure our panel of experts is here. So let's call the roll from lovely Sichuan, Massachusetts, Mr. Mark Blaschen. Mr. Blaschen, you with us? I am here, Tony. Ready to go. Okay. Chicago's on. Herb Gould. How about you, Mr. Gould? I'm good, and I recommend Zone Defense in Starkville. Well put. Well put. And from the lovely shores of New Jersey, we have the one, the only, Mr. Tom Lucci. Do not forget that Mr. Lucci has his Monday morning review uh, on TMG College Sports. That's si.com slash TMG, and we're going to be talking about that in just a few minutes. Mr. Lucci, how are you today? Doing well, Tony. Just trying to come to grips with the fact that we're in the first week of October in Kansas is tied with Oklahoma in the Big 12. Oh, my. Indeed. Well, we will certainly be talking about the Big 12 and their and their issues as we go along. So where do where do we start? I think I think that's a good place for us to start. Uh, Tom's column this morning on TMG College Sports raises this intriguing issue. Oklahoma's lost back to back games. Texas should have lost two weeks ago and did lose over the weekend to Monty TCU. So. Dr. Lucci asks, who had Iowa State at Oklahoma State on October 24 as the key game in the Big 12? Dr. Lucci, is this what we have come down to? Well, I, I, I think Texas can still rebound. I don't think there's any question about that. But uh, I, as I said, as I wrote, and Oklahoma State's the only unbeaten team left in the Big 12. And coincidentally, they're the only Big 12 team playing defense. So maybe... Uh, a couple of coaches should should pay attention to that in the league, particularly Mr. Uh, Riley and, and, and maybe Mr. Herman, and, and maybe take a cue from there. Uh, Brother Blaschen, what is going on with you – know, I, I can explain Oklahoma, okay? I can explain Oklahoma. First of all, they don't play defense. We understand that. But the other thing is, is that what Lincoln Riley likes to do is clearly more effective with a veteran quarterback. Uh, this is the first time he's not had a senior or a junior quarterback run this system. So I can explain that. But I don't understand what's going on at the University of Texas at Austin, where this is the third year under Tom Herman, and they don't seem to be making any progress. Hey, they don't, Tony. You're right. And and, and you look at, uh, as Mr. Lucci's pointed out, look who the Texas defensive coordinator is. Uh, a guy named Mr. Ash, whose success at Rutgers is well documented. Uh, so I mean, they're having, they're having internal problems. They're trying to get a staff together, I think, in terms of making things work. And 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 it's been Texas' problem for the last fifteen or twenty years. They just have not been a factor. And and and, and that that's one of the perplexities of college football is, is is what Texas has no excuses, zero excuses for not being great every year. They should be they should be the equivalent of how I say Alabama. They should certainly be a top ten team every year for what they have to offer, and and, and simply the competition that they face. Well, uh, guys, I have seen the tweets. Have you seen the tweets? The Texas fans already know who they want. Did you see it? I've not seen it. No. That 
the coach they want now. Now, this is we understand that social media is not the real world. We'll, we'll accept that. But I the people it. who the people who have gotten on social media want Urban Meyer. Okay. Oh, Urban Meyer to come out, come out of his <laughs> TV retirement and come back. So keep your eye keep your eye on that. So I think that would that, that would be fascinating. Now, you brought it up, Mr. Herb Gould. The issue is for those of us who have covered Mike Leach over the years, I'll ask you this, Herb, for Mike Leach in his SEC head coaching debut to have a quarterback throw for 638 yards. And then the following week lose to an SEC team that had lost 20 straight conference games. As Mr. Lucci said in his column, does that just give us the width and the breadth of the Mike Leach experience? Yeah, boy, it, it it sure does. And you know what? I, I think I got I got roped in and suckered. I I thought, well, maybe Mike figured it out. People were talking about him having better talent at Mississippi State, so it would be a different story. You know, he wouldn't have the ups and downs, and and we were so wrong. You know, the the, the guy that I I am interested in in all of this is, tell me, Tony, who is the LSU defensive coordinator? Uh, that would be Bo Polini. Yeah, and why did he not know about this zone defense thing? Well, you know, I, I, I remember Bo in, at Nebraska, and he was kind of an ironhead there. I mean, I, I didn't totally dislike him, but I, you know, he missed a lot of subtle tricks, and you know that that's the part that that I keep wondering about. You know, for all of the excuses and everything, how does LSU not know how to game plan? And and Arkansas does. It would have taken one phone call, and the phone call would have, would have gone to Jimmy Lake, now the head coach at Washington, former defensive coordinator at Washington. I talked to uh, I talked to several analysts last week, but one of them, uh, Rick Neuheisel, said it's real. And this is last week before the game. Mm-hmm. He said you can absolutely defend this. Call call uh, Jimmy Lake at, at Washington. In in the past six in the six games where Chris Peterson was head coach, they never gave up more than seventeen points in a game to uh, Mike Leach and Washington State. And what did they do? They rushed three, dropped eight, played zone, kept everything in front of them. So the quarterback completes a ton of passes, but he doesn't go for six hundred yards. He goes for three hundred yards. And they win the game, and so all you had to all you had to do was make one phone call to Washington. Oh, by the way, Chris Peterson was six and zero against Mike Leach, and after last after Jim, there'll be seven seven zero. So there you go, there you go. So so Mr. So Mr. Blauschen, what yes, what ha- what happens next? Well, now. Did you get on the Mississippi State bandwagon last week? Uh, because they, they had the video. They had the wagon ready to go for everybody to jump on. Well, I, well, I sort of did. I mean, it, I, I thought they would score a lot more points than they did. I didn't, I didn't necessarily think they were going to win games, but I, but I thought with the, it would be a high-scoring, you know, 40 to 30, 35 type of game because I, I, I didn't think that Arkansas – could, could stop uh, the offense to that extent, and, and that that's what surprised me. But but as you pointed out, I mean, 
the Pac-12 figured out. I thought it would take. A, I would. I thought it would take a little longer to, to figure it out. But obviously, I mean, you can figure it out very simply. And then now we're going to see what happens next week, uh, and then the week after that, let's let's see how, how the SEC adjusts to to, to and and let's see how how Leach adjusts with the SEC. Well, Mississippi State's got Kentucky this week. Kentucky, a team that just got their hearts ripped out. Uh, by missing an extra point against Ole Miss, lost 42 to 41 in overtime. That game is in Lexington. Uh, pretty good, sharp defensive staff. So keep an eye on that. Okay, so let, let's let's go back to this. Last week we were talking, and and the the issue was whether or not a a group of five team could get into the playoff. Well, guess what, Texas. Texas and Oklahoma have cracked the door. Still got Oklahoma State. I understand that. But here's the problem. Memphis Memphis and UCF both lost last week. That that and that's a big, big blow for our friend Michael Resco of the American Conference. They've still got Cincinnati. So now, Mark Blaschen, let me start with you. Now, based on the landscape today. What is more likely, a group of five team getting into the playoffs or two teams from the SEC? What is more likely? Oh, two teams from the SEC. I, I think I, I think a group of five is, is, is very slim because here's the problem. You talk about Cincinnati. But Cincinnati if it wants to play in this, remain undefeated. It has to be uh, UCF at, UC, at, at Central Florida and then probably do it again uh, two, a couple of weeks later. That's a tough task. I don't see any any group of five team uh, getting into into that stage. I, I think what's going to happen is is you're going to uh, they're going to be out outside like the like the Pac-12 is is hoping for a spot, which they're not going to get. I think the Fiesta Bowl is going to be a, the Pac-12 champion versus versus the uh, uh, American Athletic Conference champion. I think that's already done and locked in, and they, and they, can, they don't have to worry about the being for the uh, a playoff type of team. What about you, Mr. Lucci? Does it, well, let's does it look not forget like? SMU in this equation. They're 4-0. Um, yeah, okay. you know, they, they still have to play Cincinnati. So yep, what's going right. to happen to the AAC is you're only going to have the potential for one unbeaten team. And then, as Mark said, if UCF uh, you know, happens to merge on the other side and Cincinnati does beat SMU, they're going to have to play, probably play twice. And you wonder if Cincinnati is going to finish unbeaten. So uh, I would I, listen, I think you know my, my position on this, Tony. I've been pretty adamant all along. I say no. It's great to talk about. You know, we're going to have two from the SEC, you know, one from the Big Ten, one from the ACC. That's way it's shake, shaking out in my mind, the way I see everything developing. Uh, I would think that the Florida-Georgia winner, you know, uh, assuming that they can continue to go on and play Alabama, which looks like it's head and shoulders above everybody in the SEC West. Yep. The, the other team that's, I, I think we should consider, I don't, I don't know if they can have an impact because of their schedule and their contention but BYU I mean I, I watched them against Louisiana Tech on Friday they're very impressive they play very good defense and Zach Wilson is having a, an outrageous year almost a Heisman caliber year at quarterback for them uh so they have a chance to run the table and, and be a factor and be a, a team that somebody has to consider somewhere yep I, I, I had myself a note to bring bring that up the only issue at BYU is is as of this moment BYU does not play a team that's currently ranked. But I will say this, and I think I told Blau this. 
I have never seen, I've been doing this a long time. I have never seen a year where the rankings mean less than they do right now. They're, would you agree with that, Herb Gould? Oh, absolutely, Tony. I mean, when you don't, you don't, I mean, you, now the Big Ten and the Pac 12 are inserted nominally. But yeah, the, the rankings are really reduced to, uh, you know, I, I remember asking coaches, and you guys have probably heard this too. I mean, the main thing about the rankings is if you're in the top 25, they show your highlights on ESPN. And beyond that, I, you know, I don't know that it matters much at all. Uh, you know, the one thing too is, I mean, I'm not convinced if you're going to rule out the Pac 12 because they're only playing seven games. What happens in the Big Ten if Ohio State has a couple of games postponed? I mean, we're, yeah. we're we still don't know that they're going to. You know, that's very ambitious to play without any buys. Uh, you know, given what's going on with the virus, you know, I, I I'm not sure that we might not see. There's going to be three SEC teams in the discussion. <laughs> you know, if if it breaks right, I mean, I, I mean, uh-huh. if you think about it. If if Georgia goes to Alabama and loses but then beats florida and then you know now you know alabama can lose a game or two and nobody cares so it doesn't really matter there i mean there are scenarios where you're going to have three three sec teams in, in the final conversation whether it actually gets to three in the playoff is a, a different matter but this is the strangest year not only for rankings but for playoff consideration well, I would I would agree agree with that. So it's going to be interesting, uh, interesting that of course that the I don't know if it had been done when we talked last week, but they've moved back the first date of the uh, revel, uh, reveal the rankings moved it all the way back to uh, a week later, November November twenty fourth, I think it is. So that's that just shows you how strange this year is going to be. Uh, Tom Lucci mentioned Alabama, uh, and I think you guys have. You've heard from me on, on this subject quite a bit. I, I really like this Alabama team. They just didn't beat Texas A&M. They did it so easily. Uh, and remember, they were up 35-3 to on Missouri the week before, and they, and they sort of put it uh, into cruise control. So Alabama's at Ole Miss uh, on Saturday. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how many yards uh, Lane Kiffin and his group are going to do against Alabama what that score ends up being. Just for those of you who are keeping score at home, Nick Saban is now 20-0, and 20-0 and 0 against his former assistant coaches, and he's playing uh, another one in Lane Kiffin. Matter of fact, matter of fact, Nick Saban is going through a stretch now. He played – he played – Jimbo Fisher last week. He's going. He's going four straight weeks. Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Georgia, Kirby Smart, Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt. He's going to meet his former assistants. And does he come out of that stretch twenty-three and zero? Uh, one thing I'm going to share with you: Jimbo Fisher is now four and zero again. Zero uh, and four against Nick Saban. Here's the question I want to put in front of the group. It has been a tough summer for Texas A&M, but as you watch Texas A&M on Saturday, I think one of the things I did in my pick was to say they had to look like they 
were at least improving. They didn't look like they're improving at all. It's the same team we've seen the last couple of years, Mark Blaschen. What do you think the situation? If, if he puts up a seven and five, what's Jimbo Fisher's status? Well, his, his status is what is they'll be looking for Urban Meyer at A and M as well. I mean, that's that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to put up with it no matter how much they pay them. They'll, they'll just write another check. I mean, that's and and, and look at look at I've never I have not been a Jimbo Fisher fan since his last days at Florida State. I didn't think they were well coached in the last few years of Florida State. I thought they lost games. I thought his teams were ill-prepared. I, I don't know what has happened at the Jimbo Fisher since the, the national championship season, but his, his, his track is, is all downhill. I don't know what the, what the problem was. Well, it's all I know is I was there not last year, but the year before, and they took me on a tour of the facilities and what they did. You know, they only spent $450 million dollars upgrading Kyle Field. Uh, and it's state of, it's, it's, well, it's beyond state of the art. And I, I just wonder <laughs> with, with the way, with the way that schedule is looking, I don't know. I don't know. Brother Lucci, did you get a chance to watch any of the Georgia Bulldogs against Auburn? Oh yeah, absolutely. Very, uh, very disappointed that, that Bo Nix, listen, it's a great Georgia defense, Tony. There's no denying that. Yes, that's it is. Them, that's going to keep them in games all year, you know, even with a, a manager at quarterback. Although he played very well, you know, uh, against Auburn. Um, yeah, the, the, to me, the take of that is, is Bo Nix ever going to get better? Yeah. I mean, he's gonna, is he going to figure it out? Is he going to learn to stay in the pocket and, and, use, and use the protection in front of him instead of bailing at, at, a, at a drop of a hat? Um, is he going to make fewer mistakes? I know he had a long streak of, of no interceptions broken. Um, I didn't mean by that. I'm, I'm talking about throwing into coverages because he, he tried that a couple of times, may, maybe making the wrong reads, things of that nature. And like I say, the, the big issue to me is the, the lack of accuracy and then and then just the willingness to bail out of the pocket so quickly. Right. So right. Um, that was my take from it, that I thought Bo Nix – would be better uh, equipped to, uh, you know, to do something against this uh, Georgia defense as good as it is. I mean, it's, right. you know, it's, he's in his second year. This well, is, you know, this is when the guys start to develop a quarterback. Well, here's the, here's the issue for Auburn. Uh, Auburn Auburn's got uh, Arkansas at home this week. It's one thing to lose to Georgia. They came into the, that game having lost eight of the last 10 to Georgia, but they were all very competitive games. Georgia simply lined up and challenged their manhood. I mean, they just absolutely pounded them physically. And, Blau, you, you've been down here enough. It's one thing to get beat, but it's another thing for people to line up and bulldoze you over. And places like Auburn, they don't like that. They, they don't, obviously. And, I mean, that's going to be that's gonna be a problem uh, in just accepting that type of thing. I mean, what what does is, what is Auburn accept uh, as as – as you know, as reasonable, even if you don't win games, but you you better be competitive. Yeah, I think a degree of that too could be timing. I mean, Georgia had you know they had a good second half at Arkansas, but but they didn't come out of the gate real well. And, and now that that young quarterback has a little bit of uh, experience, and you know Georgia was just primed to play well. And did not Auburn lose their key safety early in the game to a targeting call? Yes. You know, not that that, yeah. that wasn't going to change things overall, but it certainly widened the gap in terms of looking more competitive. Yeah, I, I used to one thing I, I've noticed, especially 
you know, in a conference like the SEC, is there's there's like a timing factor. I mean, look, Mississippi State is up and they're down, and Georgia was, you know, so there were some concerns in that after that first game. They came out and played. Uh, you know, I don't tend to read too much into one game, but but that said, Auburn has to come out and and knock some people off the blocks uh, in, in the coming games. All right, let's let's flip over to the ACC. Big game coming up this week. Mark mm-hmm. Blauschen's alma mater against the mighty Clemson Tigers. Clemson, Luch, Clemson, fifteen point favorite. Wow, I, I know. that's a listen, big number, dude. Listen, the locksmith is uh, is going to consider that game very carefully. So, uh, uh, you know, that is a big number, but. Again, I, I think the uh, part of this is the boredom factor, don't you? A little bit with Clemson. No, oh, they need a challenge, and they're going to get they're going to get a little bit of one, at least on paper, I think. So maybe if this doesn't bring out the best in Clemson, this game, then I think we're looking at Alabama as clearly the best team in the country, if there's any doubt right now. Uh, Luch, you hit on that. That's been that's been Clemson's mo for a while now. You know they'll they'll <laughs> they'll get up they'll get up to play. You know, the big teams and all that kind of stuff. And then he sort of mess around, futz around. And uh, I I think Clemson is going to play well. But you tell me, Mark Blass, Derek King has done really, with uh, Rhett Lashley calling the plays, Derek King, the Derek King, the, the trigger man on that offense. The, the Hurricanes look finally look like they know what the heck they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. Can they can they keep this game close? I think I think they can, and I said that with still some hesitation because I'm still suspicious of Miami just not putting things together or making mistakes. I, I think Clemson will, will win the game, but 15 points. I mean, even like I, I I agree with the locksmith. They're looking at that game. That's 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 a and the boys of Vegas know enough to entice you with that with that point point spread to get enough Miami money uh, on there because that's an intriguing amount uh, of points to for Clemson to give up. And the one thing we have to be uh, cognizant of here is, is the game is at Clemson, but it will not be the traditional death valley of 80,000, right. 90,000 people. I, I don't know how much that will be a factor with Miami, but I think it will be a factor in the game. Yeah, I, I don't think it, I think it's any question that yeah, yeah, when Mississippi State went to LSU last week the, or the week before, you know, you didn't have 100,000 people at nighttime uh, on, on doing that. So I think that's uh, – I think it's an absolute factor. I want to, guys. I want to ask you this. I'm sitting here. We we know about Miami. We know about Clemson. We know about uh, you know Virginia Tech seems to sort of be doing some good things. Is the ACC a little deeper than people think it is? Absolutely. You know, I mean, when you when you first of all you add Notre Dame, you know, out of the blue, even if only for this year, and then Miami. No matter, you know, they may not be up to this challenge, but they certainly are much improved. Uh, and then you look around at Boston College, uh, Blau's other alma mater, and uh, they got a nice quarterback from from Notre Dame. Uh, you know that. In fact, that's I think that everybody's focused on Clemson's games against Miami and Notre Dame, but I see a bunch of other teams in that undercard. Remember when Syracuse? pulled the big surprise against Clemson. Uh, there's a lot of teams on that in that ACC group 
that are capable of doing that if, if Clemson comes out with one of those flat performances. So, yes, to your point, Tony, I, I think that the ACC is definitely, you know, raised its bar in terms of uh, quality overall. And North Carolina still have beaten guys. Yep. That's right. North Carolina. I forgot that one completely because I'm looking at the Clemson's schedule. They don't have them. Right. North Carolina still, uh, you know, they didn't play great last week, but uh, they played well enough to win on the road and, uh, and they're unbeaten. And, and they have a quality quarterback, which makes the team dangerous in college. And Notre Dame is part of the ACC this year, too. So you have to recruit with them in the group. Yep. There is, there is, there is no doubt it's going to be. <laughs> It is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Well, here's a sentence I thought we'd never say on this podcast or anywhere else. It's Texas versus Oklahoma week, and nobody cares. No, Brother Lucci, nobody cares. The state fair is not going on. They're going to play in the Cotton Bowl. They've, they've got what? And in honor of that game, Tony, which I covered a few times in the Cotton Bowl, I'm just going to sit back and have a corn dog and watch at noon. You know, and uh, if um, the Cooking Channel happens to have a, a you know especially exciting episode, I'll probably slip to that. Well, absolutely, and you you could put up a little sign in your in your living room or where you watch the games, a sign that says "Line for Turkey Legs Start Right Here." So, I can say, can you imagine if Oklahoma, the, the thing that, that is mind boggling to me, Oklahoma falls to 0 and 3 in the Big 12. Well, you know, this is also this is a great reminder of the old Jimmy Breslin line, you know, go to the loser's locker room. That's where the story is. And the loser's locker room at the Cotton Bowl is going to be a hell of a story on Saturday afternoon. Mm. It's a long way, right, Blau, from uh, when you were in Dallas and then I come down and it would be Fred Akers against Barry Switzer. Absolutely. And, 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 and sadly, guys, this, this reminds me of what happened to Florida State and Miami. And remember, a, a couple of weeks ago, they played that game. And for years, that game has meant absolutely nothing. And now we have Oklahoma, Texas uh, uh, going to that same category where, where you know, it, it just, that's, I guess it's cyclical in nature. But, but in, in, you know, in light of what we have this year, and then, like you said, the Cotton Bowl, an empty Cotton Bowl, no Texas State Fairgrounds uh, going on. I mean, it's, it's, it's a noon game, 11 o'clock. I mean, it'll be a strange situation when you when, – because I've, I've went to that game many times, and, and that, is, that, is, that is one thing, you know, a bunch of lists of college football that, uh, uh, fans, that's a place to, 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 to have on your list in, 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 at the height of its uh, rivalry. That was a great game, and, Absolutely. and we'll be yeah. them again. You're 100% right. I think too no. about Texas. This is a this is a must-win game for Texas. I, I think Oklahoma might be done, Tony, but Texas has a senior quarterback. I mean, it's yep. never going to get any better for Tom Herman than right now. So if they don't recover and get their act together, and then you know just roll through the Big 12 with just that one loss, uh, I, I don't know how he survives. You were talking about A and M and Jimbo Fisher, but how does how does Tom Herman survive a, a wide open? year in the yeah. 12, no Oklahoma, and he's got a senior quarterback. Yeah, if you're not going to beat them now, when are you going to beat them? I mean, that's the thing. It's it's all it's all set up for them. All set up for them. All right, well, also, our uh, for the folks who are listening, uh, if you go to our website, uh, si.com slash TMG, you'll see our newsmaker of the week. It's the campus police at SMU. Herb, you wrote this. I love it. But the bottom line, Herb, 
Tell the story. What did the SMU campus police do over the weekend to make them worthy of being our newsmakers of the week? Well, well, Tony, they they went. They didn't like what they saw uh, in terms of social distancing among the students who gather in the uh, south lawn, if you will, behind the end zone. And so they 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 shoot them all out of there. They they ran all the students out because they weren't wearing masks. They weren't social distancing. And uh, there had been warnings uh, the previous after the previous game because this had been going on. And, um, you know, I think it's a real interesting concept. You know, you need to you know, we're seeing it, you know, not only in mostly in college games, but a little bit in pro games. People need to be aware of this. And if, if what's going on in Washington isn't making that point, then the, the uh, SMU campus police are going to make it for them. Well, the same thing. You know, it's interesting. Uh, after all the work they put in, uh, Luch, you saw the game. Uh, you saw the game between Georgia and Auburn. I'm looking at the stands. I don't see any social distancing in the stands of Georgia. I know. It's like, as Bob keeps saying, uh, let's keep an eye on two weeks from now. Yeah, you know, well, uh, you know when they start start doing tests and things, and then and then we'll know if uh, you know this this uh, lack of discipline, and it's really not that difficult to do to put on a mask and sit a little bit further away, especially in an empty stadium. We'll see what impact it has in, in two weeks. Yeah, you know, Tony, I, I wanted to ask you uh, if you've seen any data on whether there have been a, a rise in viruses at on these. Um, in the SEC towns, uh, because of this, you yep. know, we, we, we kind of have a theory up here. You know, there's been some spiking going on in Wisconsin. And while the Packers are not admitting any fans, we are wondering if it might not be Packer fans gathering at bars. And, and yep. I just got to believe that that could be an SEC question that, to be addressed. Well, we I have not seen any data on that, but that's something we're going to definitely – Definitely keep an eye on. Wait, so wait, wait SEC fans would gather in bars? Shocking. <laughs> they don't have to gather in bars. They can go in the stadium. <laughs> totally, totally shocking. Well, gentlemen, that's that's about all the time we have for now. It's been a fun time being with you. And uh, I, I didn't mention at the top of the show, our sponsor, APA, APBA, the unchallenged king of realistic, high-quality sports simulation products. We appreciate John Herson and all that he does. And, of course, we want to thank David again at Revelation Studios in beautiful Chino, California. Could not do it without you, David. Hey, guys, it's been a lot of fun. It's going to be another th- third week of SEC football. Uh, a lot of big games you know, coming up, Tennessee, Georgia. Uh, Alabama, Ole Miss. Then next week, next week when we gather here next week, we'll be talking about Georgia, uh, maybe undefeated Georgia if they can handle Tennessee, going to uh, Alabama. That will be interesting. Until then, this is Tony Barnhart for uh, Tom Lucci and Herb Gould and Mark Blauschen. Thank you for joining the TMG podcast. Again, if you want to read what we're working on, go to si.com slash TMG, which stands for the Media Guides. Thank you much. We'll see you next week and carry on.